You know, hopefully last time I preached, you felt this call to explore. Um, I, I had several men who mentioned to me, and um, to be honest, I had to say I really did hope some men heard that and really kind of got stirred in their hearts. And hopefully something awakened in you, um, a voice that calls out from the deep, begging you to enter. You know, David would, would speak to this voice as deep calls the deep, so does my soul. It longs to you, God. They're like, there's a deepness in us that's crying out. You know, if, um, if you live on this earth very long, you start to feel this. You know, we, we, especially as you get older, you see life happen, you see life unfold, and you're met with disappointments in life. You know, where you thought that job would be it. You thought that school education would get you there. You thought that girlfriend or boyfriend would, would be that thing. And, man, yeah, you have a long marriage, but at some point there's a disappointment. And there's something in us that makes us long for perfection, that makes us long for what's right. And that longing in our heart, that deepness in us is something that's to cause us not to be attached to this world, but have our hopes and expectations in another world where things are perfect, where our hope and expectation is in Christ who is perfect. And those things exist there to pull us into God and pull us into him. For God stands there with an invitation that says, follow me. And it's my hope and desire this morning to speak in such a way that dry embers within your soul become inflamed with a passion and a faith. You see, true Christian experience must always include a genuine encounter with God. Without this, religion is just a shadow. It's a reflection of a reality. It's a cheap copy. You see, and what a tragedy is in the life of a man or a woman to live in, in church from childhood to adult age and know nothing more than a shadow or a cheap copy when the real thing is but a breath away. What a shame to grow up in church, to sit so close, to sit week after week hearing the gospel preached, singing songs about our Savior and having no eyes to see no ears to hear and no heart to love. And so my prayer this morning is that your vision will become more clear, that your ears will become more in tune to hear the voice of God, and that your heart would burst forth in love. And so I ask you to pray for me this morning as I pray over myself, that God would use this time and this moment and that he would speak into your hearts. So Lord Jesus, I thank you for this moment, this opportunity. God, this was nothing I ever saw in myself, but it was something you saw and you purposed, and you set forth this opportunity at this time. I don't know why, but I step into it. And God, you've, you've made it possible for me to stand in this pulpit underneath a faithful minister who has for years faithfully preached the gospel. He's done it well, and I get to stand here in all my weakness and all my shallowness and all my frailties. But God, I ask in this moment that you would speak forth to people, that you would be the voice in their ears, that your spirit would do something deep that no man can do. And God, move me out of the way this morning that you may speak, that you may stir your word in the hearts of men and women. I pray in Jesus' name, amen. You know, um, man, if you, I love adventure. I don't know if you've catched that about me. And I do. I love going on an adventure. And, man, when me and my wife were dating, and we only dated like three months. It was really short. I, I know what you're thinking. 
Yes, I, I realized real quick I wasn't doing any better, and I better jump on that, you know. Um, so it didn't take me long. I wasn't dumb. And so, you know, we had about a three-month engagement, and I remember during that time we, we decided we were going to go to the beach. And I, I looked on the map, and I, I looked for the closest beach to where we were at, and there was one that was about an hour and a half away, and I was like, man, this is awesome. And um, it was called Keaton Beach. Now, I'll pause here because some of you know about Keaton Beach, and you probably share the same story. <laughs> you looked on a map, and you're like, man, there's a beach there. We're going to go see the beach. You know, and I remember going to places like Panama City Beach or Daytona Beach or Jacksonville Beach, and, man, these long beaches spread out. They're beautiful. And so we jump in the car early in the morning. We're going. We're on this adventure together. We're on this journey. And, um, you know, this is when I'm thinking, man, am I going to spend the rest of my life on a journey with this woman? And so here we're stepping out on this journey. You know, it's kind of a tester, right? <laughs> you kind of need a few tester moments to make sure this is the right one. And so <laughs> I remember showing up in the town of Keaton and looking for the beach. There was nothing but grass. <laughs> and in this small little section, maybe about the size of your living room, was this little sandbar. And there must have been 100 people piled out on that. I'm going, this is not what I expected. <laughs> this was not what I was looking for. You, so, you, you know, in life, it doesn't take long before we are faced with this feeling of, I've never been here before. <laughs> Man, this is new. This is different. It doesn't take long before you hit that moment and you say to yourself, Man, I've never been here before. You know, maybe you're kind of feeling that right now. I, I know I can stand here this morning, um, only after, you know, having preached before can I ever say this, but there was a moment I stood here, I was like, I've never done this before. I've never preached to an empty building. <laughs> I've never preached into a camera, you know. Um, at least I have a cameraman there. Um, but he's very still, and he's doing his job very well, so it makes it hard. <laughs> you know, but you hit that moment where, man, I've never been here before. You know, I believe that life was meant to be experienced. And I believe that there are these moments that God gives us in our lives where we go, man, I've never been here before. What am I going to do? Like, what can I expect? What is before me? Where we, we're hit with this mirage of questions. And, and I believe as you look through the Bible, we see instance after instance of that occurring. You know, I, I see Gideon, who is scared for his life, who is in the wheat press, thres, in the wine press, threshing wheat. He's hiding, trying to make food for his family. And he's doing the best he can. And this angel shows up and says, "Chosen warrior of God." And he's like, "What? Who are you? You're not talking to me." And and I can believe he's sitting there going, "Man, I have never seen an angel before. This is this is different." And I can see David as he, he pulls up with his wagon load of cheese and bread for his brothers. And there's this giant out there. I mean, he's cursing God. And David's like, man, I've never been here before. And I can see time after time the disciples, as Jesus calls them, man, I've, I've never been here. I've never. And you, you see it. They say things like, who is this man? Like, I've never heard anything like this. I've never witnessed anything like this happening before. And God brings us in this moment. You see, to see something correctly and interpret it correctly is an adventure. 
And a lot of times God will set things in front of us and he asks us to lean upon his understanding that we may understand it, that we may join him in an adventure, that we may join him in a journey, that we may join him into something new that we've never seen before. You know, I believe we can really attach this to our current situation as a church right now. You know, we sang that song, man, I do believe it so much. The enemy would, do, would love nothing more than to destroy the American church. The enemy would love nothing more than to separate you from other believers. The enemy would love nothing more than to destroy your family during this time. But you know what? He doesn't get to write the story. He doesn't get to dictate what your life happens and turns out to. And you may be sitting there thinking, man, God is late in my story. Man, God is not showing up on time. And I'll remind you again, like they did this morning, Mary and Martha thought the same thing. But it was in that moment that God was able to bring a resurrection. In Genesis 12, 1, we see another one of these stories. And if you have your Bible, open it up there. Genesis 12, 1, it's in the very beginning, very first chapter, very first book. It's probably one of those you, you may have jumped over to go to others, but man, I, I want to encourage you this week to read through this story of Abraham, and I want to jump around a little bit in his story this morning, but I want us to take a look at his story and see what God is doing. And in 12, chapter 12, verse 1, it says this, Now the Lord said to Abram, Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to a land that I will show you. And so we hear, we see that Abram gets this call from God to step out into the unknown. And it says God's looking at Abraham and he says, let me take away your identity. Because that's what Abraham knew. Abram knew. He knew his family. He had been with his father. He had walked with his father. He had been under the toolage of his father. And in those days, family was tight. You didn't go off to college and somebody else didn't raise you at your school when somebody else didn't teach you at your college and you didn't move off to a far country to go to work. Most of the time you stayed really close. And so here Abraham's getting the call to leave. And we see God begins to take away his identity. And the second thing we see is that God begins to rob him of his predictability. He asked him to step into the unknown. You know, this call that Abraham got was not a definite call. It was come and follow me. It was the same call the disciples got. was, come and follow me. What is that going to look like? Come and follow me. It's the same call that he gave to the rich young ruler. Hey, come and follow me. You know, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Come follow me. Well, do all this. He goes, well, I've done all that. And he says, well, sell everything you have and come follow me. And it says that he walked away sorrowfully because he wasn't willing to step out into the unknown. He wasn't willing to put it all on the table and risk it for the Lord. See, you can spend your life seeing how others have known God. You can spend your life reading books that other people have written about their journey with God. You can sing songs that other people have written from their experiences and their time alone with God. And you can do all these other things. Or you can step into your own adventure with God. You know, you can, have, you can read the lives of other people's journey with God or you can have one yourself. 
And here, Abram is minding his own business. He's doing his own thing. And God steps into the picture and says, come follow me. And I will show you. He uses these words, I will show you. And I want us to focus on that and look at that this morning. And there's three things I want us to look at what God said he would show him. And the first thing that God said he would show him was that who you are. God wanted to show Abram who he was. Not as Abram saw himself, not as Abram's father saw himself, not as Sarah saw Abram, but how God saw Abram. And this morning, I believe if you haven't heard that God wants to speak to you in how he sees you. You see, God transforms his people first in their person and then in their purpose. God will transform you first in your person and then in your purpose. I like to say it like this. God will lead you to a place before he takes you to a place. He will lead you to a place inside yourself, inside your own soul, in, to, to know who you are, to know how he has made you, how he has designed you, so that in that you may then step into your purpose. God looks at Abraham later on and he says this, I am God Almighty. I walk before me and be blameless. This is the command that God gives Abraham in the midst of this. And you may be wondering, how can a righteous God ever give such a commandment to a man who for so many years has proven himself anything but righteous, blameless? The Bible uses this, the, he, the Hebrew uses the word a tamin. This word tamin is, is meant for perfect. It's meant unblemished. And God says, commands Abraham to walk before him tamin. But see, the cool thing is, in God giving Abram this command, Abram began to understand because he had begun to identify who he was. He knew his frailties. He knew his weakness. That God was going to have to step in and make this happen. And it's like God says this, because I am who I am. I am all powerful. I command you to do what you cannot do and be who you cannot be. You see, that's the thing we struggle with. That's the thing we wrestle with when we start to get this glimpse of who God has called us to be because we see something we can't be. We see something we can't achieve. We, we feel this call to step into something we don't know. But can I assure you this morning, believer, that God will fill the gap. Yes, he commands you to do what you cannot do and be what you cannot be. Paul would echo this same sentiment in Romans 3.21. He would say, but now the righteousness of God has been made manifest. How, how are we going to live righteous? How are we going to be to mean? How are we going to be perfect? How are we going to stand upright before God? But now the righteousness of God has been revealed. The righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe. Romans 8. 12 through 16 would say this, and this is a paraphrase. Um, this is a kind of a paraphrase tra uh, translation. But I, I love the way it says this. So don't you see that we don't owe this old do-it-yourself life one red cent? There's nothing in it for us, nothing at all. What he's saying is all those things we've been clamming for, we've been trying to achieve, we've been trying to hold on to, we don't owe that life anything. Because we've died to that. He says the best thing we can do is give it a decent burial and get on with your new life. 
You see, there is a new life that God's called us into. There's a new way that God's called us to step into. There's a new journey that God's called you into. And yes, he may do it several times in your life. He did it for Abraham. He did it for Moses. He did it throughout scriptures. You'll see over and over again, he kept calling people into a new way of life. He did it for his disciples, the apostles. You see, God's spirit beckons. There are things to do and places to go. This resurrection life you've received from God is not a timid, grave-tending life. It's an adventurously expectant, greeting God with a childlike, what's next, Papa? God's spirit touches our spirit and confirms who we really are. We know who he is and we know where we are, father and child. You see, there's something happens when the spirit of God touches your life. It begins to make revelation and makes knowledge of who you are and who he's designed you to be and who he's intended you to be. Do you know? Has that been made clear in your life? Maybe you're sitting there thinking, I don't know, Wade. Is this a real thing? Yes, it's a real thing. Can I know what God's purpose on my life is? Yes, you may know. You see, Maybe we need to move from death into life. Maybe you're sitting there this morning and you're thinking, man, my life kind of stinks. My dreams are dead. I've got nothing to look forward to. There's no hope. Maybe you need a Lazarus moment this morning. Maybe you need the voice of God to speak over you and say, live. You see, we need to move from death into life. And longevity doesn't mean, doesn't equate to godliness. Just because you've been in church a long time doesn't mean you become godly. It's not until we listen to his voice and we step out in faith that our righteousness begins to be revealed through Jesus Christ. You see, Jesus beckons us. He calls us to follow him, to step out into the unknown so that we may know who we are. And secondly, so that we may know why we are here. There is an eternal purpose on your life. There's an eternal weight that is set before you. There's an eternality to what your purpose and design is. God's primary requirement of Abraham was to bear the sign of God's faithfulness to the covenant. You see, when God gave the covenant to Abraham, he made him follow up with a sign. And the sign was not to show Abraham's faithfulness, but it was a covenant to show God's faithfulness. And then God changed his name to remind him of his purpose. He changed his name from Abram to Abraham. He changes Sarah's name from Sarah to Sarah. You see this constantly through the scripture. Jesus, God begins to change people's names. Several of the disciples got a name change. Maybe God needs to change your name this morning. He needs to remind you of your purpose that you've given, that he's given you. And I want you to know that he's been there from the beginning fathering you. You know, your, your Christian life didn't start the day you got, you got saved, you got born again. Your Christian life didn't start the day you decided to follow Jesus. Your, Christ, your life didn't start then. How can I say that, you may be wondering. If you look in Genesis chapter 15, verse 7, God calls again to Abraham. There's several times that God speaks to Abram in this scripture, and several times he points directly and speaks to him, and here's one of them in 15.7, and he says, he said to him, 
I am the Lord who brought you out from Ur of the Chaldeans. Don't you catch that phrase when God says that? Because if you look back earlier, it says that Abram's father took him out of Ur. But here God is saying, no, it wasn't your father that brought you out. It was me who brought you out. And many of you look at your life and you look at your situations and your circumstance and you think that those are what begin to define you. You think that the, what the doctor says is your, eternal, is, is your finality. You think that the way your relatives treated you or didn't treat you is your finality. Maybe you become identified and you found your purpose in all of these external things. And God's saying this morning, I have determined your purpose. I have determined your eternality. I have determined what has been set for in your life. And it's a call this morning for us to step out into the unknown, into the deep, to see what God has set in front of us. Many times we see ourselves through these struggles. We see ourselves through these things that have happened to us. Some people have had some very traumatic things that they may never get over in their life. But I want to tell you this morning, that is not the purpose to your life. I don't want to diminish the pain that you felt and the hurt that you've walked through, but that's not the final answer. God can redeem that. God can speak in dead places and bring life. You see, many times we see life as a series of problems to be solved. But I want to beg you this morning, I want to beckon you this morning, that if you would look and see that life is an adventure That the Christian life is meant to be explored. And it's a mystery. And God is calling us to step out into the deep. He's calling us, he's beckoning us so that we we can see who we are. That we can know why we're here. And the third thing is that we can know what God has planned for us. You see, I see many Christian believers who spend their life living off the maps of other people. They open, they're looking for the next good Bible study. They're looking for the next good book to read. They're looking for the next preacher to preach good. They're looking for the next song to sing. They're looking for the newest thing to come out there. And I'll tell you, the the Christian bookstores are full of it. But believer, have you opened the word of God to see what he has to say to you? Have you sat alone in the quiet and listened for the song that he's singing over you? I fear that many Christians sit living off the maps of other people when God's saying, there is a journey that I've set in front of you. Will you take it? Who's writing your story, believer? Who's in control of your life? Is it it you or is it God? Maybe you feel like others are in control of your life. Maybe like Daniel who was taken off into captivity. Or the three Israelites, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego that we know of, who who were being told and dictated what to do. Maybe you feel like Joseph, your family sold you into, into a wrong life. And every one of those stories, the author was not other people. It was not situations. God was writing their story for an eternal purpose. You see, God has a map specific for your life. And to know God and to know your calling in life, you have to know your story. You see, many of of you don't even know your own story. You haven't sat down and wrestled with your own story. You're just drifting through life. You don't believe that there's a purpose to your life. 
You can't look back through the rearview mirror and point to all the times that God was working and moving. If you can't do that, I challenge you, take the next few weeks and really begin to wrestle that out and go, God, would you show me my story? Because your story didn't start the day you got saved. Your story starts in heaven and it's written on the pages of God's hand. In Genesis 3.15, we see a story where Eve begins to celebrate and rejoice because she has another son to replace Abel. But she's not just rejoicing because she has another son. She's rejoicing that the promise of God remains. Maybe you need a new moment in your life today where you see the promise of God still remaining. Maybe you need a new birth of something. You see, the people of God are not choice but chosen. Their sins and their failings are described in painful candor. If you read through the Bible, you see, you see some horrible stories. You see some graphic stories. Sometimes it reads like a soap opera. And you see these things happening. But the focus is not on their exploits. The focus isn't on their struggle. The focus isn't on what's been done to them. The focus is rather on the faithfulness of God. And if you will read the Bible from cover to cover, you will see that God is faithful. And when you unpack the life of Jesus, you see that Jesus is the ultimate faithfulness of God's story because he himself begins to explain how he completes all of these promises. And then if you read through the Gospels, you see that the writers are showing you how Jesus completes all these promises. Why? Because God is faithful. And maybe you need to begin to see the faithfulness of God in your life. And I'll ask if you'll reach back through the corridors of your life and begin to look at your story, you'll see he's been faithful. You see, it's God who calls each one in order that the promises of God may not be void. You and I are the promise of God. We're a promise to bless and to be a blessing to be ambassadors of hope and light, to be the God colors and the God flavors of this world to people who are seeking. And if we believe this, it will change how we pray. It will change what we do. It will change how we act. Church, do we believe this? You know, I mentioned last week about David how David, when it was, the Bible says when it was time that the kings go to war, David stayed at home. And Tom, if you'll come on up. <clears throat> I want to kind of end out on this note. You see, when God created Adam, he gave him a command in the garden. And the command was to be fruitful and multiply. And there was a command given to Adam to expand the borders of the kingdom, to grow God's garden. And sin disrupted that call. And so here David is, a man who God has been given the same authority and the same calling was to expand the kingdom of God. And here David is sitting at home. When David should be expanding the kingdom of God, he's sitting at home.
Man, I pray some of you people are getting this right now. When God, when David was supposed to be expanding the kingdom of God, he was sitting at home. Church, we have a call to expand the kingdom of God. It's a call to step into the unknown. It's a call to step into broken variables. It's a call to step beyond ourselves. It's a call to, to look deep into our own souls. You see, the story of life is God's story and salvation is his work. We are not merely spectators. Church is not something that's to be seen on a screen. But we're called to be active participants in his work. In Genesis 13, verse 14, the Lord said to Abraham, lift up your eyes and look from the place to where you are. Some of you are trying to figure out how to navigate life. And God looks at Abraham and says, you want to navigate where I'm calling you? Look up. Many of you are looking at your circumstances. You're looking at your situations. You're listening to the voice of others. And God's saying, look up. Look up. Look up. Northward and southward and eastward and westward. For all the land that you see, I will give to you and to your offspring forever. I will make your offspring as the dust of the earth. So that if one can count the dust of the earth, your offspring could also be counted. He says, arise and walk through the length and the breadth of the land, for I will give it to you. And I love what it says next. So Abram moved. (laughs) Abram moved. (laughs) 